Welcome to this episode of Beads Podcast, a weekly reflection on church history with Dr. Michael A.G. Haken. Dr. Haken serves as the chair and professor of church history at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he is on the core faculty of Heritage Theological Seminary in Cambridge, Ontario. He's also a fellow of the Royal Historical Society in recognition of his contributions to historical scholarship. Join us now as we seek to see what God has done in the history of his people. Well, Dr. Haken, last episode, we talked about Andrew Fuller as a father, and we talked specifically about his relationship with his daughter, Sarah. What else do we know about Fuller as a father? Well, one of the most intriguing aspects of Fuller's uh, uh, fatherhood is his relationship with one of his sons from his first marriage to Sarah Gardner, namely his son, Robert, who lived into his adult years. And um, it's the sort of story that when you start to hear it, uh, you think this has got to be made up, but it is not. It's real. Um, When uh, Robert was born in 1782, and when he was 14, which is the normal age for young men to leave home and become an apprentice at some sort of occupation, sometimes they apprenticed with their fathers, in Fuller's case, obviously, as a pastor, that wasn't going to happen. So when the, uh, Robert was 14, uh, Fuller secured a position for him in the warehouse of a man named William Burles, B-U-R-L-S, who was a very successful London merchant. He was also a deacon at Carter Lane Baptist Church. And Fuller um, had a lot of trust in Burles. Burles was a key figure in the financial uh, aspects of the Baptist Missionary Society, and Fuller trusted the man implicitly. And so uh, Robert would eventually uh, would be staying with uh, uh, William Burroughs for a period of time until he was old enough to have uh, an apartment or a house. Um, he had expressed a desire, Robert had, to become a minister, but Fuller didn't believe he was converted, and so he never encouraged him. Um, to to move in that direction. Um, Fuller did write uh, the following on uh, in his diary on the day that Robert went up to London. He said, my heart has been much exercised about him. The child is sober and tender in his spirit. I find too he prays in private, but whether he really be godly, I know not. Sometimes he expressed a desire after the ministry, but I always considered that arising from the want of knowing himself. About a year and a half ago, I felt a very affected time in pleading with God on his behalf. Nothing appeared to me so desirable for him that he might be a servant of God. I felt my heart drawn out to devote him to the Lord in whatever way, in whatever way God might employ him. The situation, though, in Burles's warehouse did not work out. And within uh, a year or so, Uh, By 1797, Robert was back in Kettering, living with his parents. Uh, Andrew Fuller detected in his son a growing instability, which gave urgency to his prayers that God might save his son. He found uh, an apprenticeship for him in Kettering. But again, within a year, Robert, who was ever restless now, uh, uh, joined the army in 1798. Uh, Robert's restless disposition caused Fuller great distress. 
in a letter that he wrote around the time that Robert joined the army in 1798, he told Ryland, John Ryland Jr., his close friend, I've indeed had a sore trial, but I do not recollect any trial of my life in which I had more of a spirit of prayer and confidence in God. Um, when the army discovered that he had been apprentice, uh, they discharged him uh, because apprentices were needed for uh, the industry at home in bolstering the war effort. Britain was at war with Napoleon Bonaparte and the French. Um, again, his father found a position for him, and again it didn't work out. In 1799, Robert joined the Marines, and that meant he would be on board a ship, uh, the Marines being uh, the original understanding of the Marines, namely uh, soldiers on board a ship. So when ships engaged in fighting, they would be involved in um, shooting and then eventually boarding uh, the, uh, uh, the ship of the enemy. By May of 17, uh, by May of 1800, Robert found out he didn't like the Marines either. And he wrote to his father and asked his father, could you get me out of this? Um, Fuller, by this point in his life, has a number of important political connections. And Fuller was able to write to friends in high places. And he was discharged from the Marines. And Fuller found him another job. But within a month, he had left again. Um, Fuller was devastated. Oh, may the Lord bring me out of this horrible pit, he wrote in his diary, and put a new song in my mouth. Um, realizing that uh, there was a really a, a desire to move around in the heart of Robert, uh, Fuller arranged for him to get a position on a merchant ship. Incidentally, all of this kind of activity on Fuller's part is typical of an 18th century father. And one of the duties of an 18th century father like Fuller was to make sure that his their sons were established in life and they would be uh, involved in procuring positions for them. And so Fuller then got him established on a merchant ship. But before he could go to sea, um, he was apprehended by a press gang of the Royal Navy. Uh, the Royal Navy during times of war in the 18th century was given permission by the government to uh, seize usually sailors from merchant ships, but anybody who they happened to get caught in their dragnet and uh, enroll them in the Royal Navy. And once you're in the Navy, you're in. You can't get out. And he was press ganged. Um, about a year later, uh, in 1801, the summer of 1801, Fuller received a report that Robert had been guilty of a misdemeanor and been sentenced to nothing less than 300 lashes and that he had died from the punishment. The report turned out to be false, but again, you can imagine the impact it made on Fuller and his wife at the time. Three years later, in 1804, uh, Robert did actually go through such a horrible punishment. He had tried to desert. He was fed up with the uh, Royal Navy and tried to desert in Ireland. Uh, they caught him and he was sentenced to 350 lashes. Absolutely brutal. When one thinks that in Jewish punishment in the days of our Lord, you could not whip a man more than 39 times. And 350 is just devastating. Uh, when Fuller learned of his son's experience on July the 5th, 1804, he wrote to Ryland, I do not expect his recovery, or if he should live, that he'll ever be able to provide for himself. 
Yet if this were but the means of bringing him to God, I should rejoice. But Robert did live. Um, the lashing destroyed his health, and he was subsequently discharged from the Navy. Uh, Fuller met his son in London, placed him in the care of an eminent physician whom Fuller knew, uh, who had once lived in Kettering, but now had his practice in the capital. And slowly Robert was nursed back to health. And Fuller, after uh, a year or so, found him another job. But once again, his restlessness kicked in, and by April of 1805, he had disappeared again. Uh, Fuller suspected he had rejoined the Army or the Navy. He was right. Robert had re-enlisted among the Marines uh, in 1805, and he was never seen by any of his family ever again. His father eventually heard from him. It was December of 1808. Um, uh, Robert was on board a ship that was sailing for Brazil. And um, just before the return voyage back uh, by, by way of Lisbon, um, he wrote to his father in genuine contrition, acknowledging his guilt before God and his foolishness and longing for his father to tell him once again uh, the gospel message of divine forgiveness. Uh, Fuller wrote a letter, which is an absolutely marvelous letter, in which he described, he said this to his son. And this is a model of also another area of 18th century fatherhood, which was the expectation that the father would be a spiritual guide to his children. I received with pleasure your I received with pleasure your dutiful letter, and I would fain consider it as a symptom of a returning mind. I cannot but consider you as having been long under a sort of mental derangement, piercing yourself through as well as me with many sorrows. My prayer for you continually is that God, the God of all grace and mercy, may have mercy on you. You may be assured that I cherish no animosity against you. On the contrary, I do from my heart freely forgive you. But that which I long to see in you is repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ, without which there is no forgiveness from above. My dear son, you had advantages in early life, but being continually in profligate company, you must be debased in mind and in a manner reduced to a state of heathenism. In some of your letters, I have observed you dashing, as it were, against the rocks of fatalism, suggesting as if you thought you were appointed to such a course of life. In others, I find you flattering yourself that you're a penitent, when perhaps all the penitence you ever really felt has been the occasional melancholy of remorse and fear. My dear son, I am now 55 years old and may soon expect to go the way of all the earth, but before I die, let me teach you the good and right way. Hear the instructions of a father. You've had a large portion of God's preserving goodness, or you had ere now perished in your sins. Think of this and give thanks to the Father of mercies who has hitherto preserved you. Think too how you have requited him and be ashamed for all you've done. Nevertheless, do not despair. For as you have gone, far as you have gone, and low as you are sunk in sin, yet if you from thence return to God by Jesus Christ, you will find mercy. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, even the chief of sinners. If you had been ever so sober and steady in your behavior towards men, yet without repentance towards God and faith in Christ, you would not have been saved. You could not have been saved. But if you return to God by him, though your sins be great and aggravated, you will find mercy. And uh, do we know how the story ends? 
Yes, uh, initially it ends with great sadness. But there was joy in the father uh, kind of outcome of the story. Less than four months after this letter, in March of 1809, Robert was dead. He died off the coast of Lisbon after a lengthy illness. On the basis of a report by the captain of the ship that Robert was on and from some letters Robert had written to Fuller and to his sister Sarah, Fuller hoped that his son had experienced genuine repentance and faith in Christ before the end came, but he didn't know. The Sunday after he had received the word of his son's death, Fuller was preaching on Romans 10, 8-9. He pressed upon his hearers the fact that the doctrine of the free justification by faith through the death of Christ is for all kinds of sinners. God doesn't ask how long, he said, or how often or how greatly we have sinned. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Moreover, this great truth, he said, is suited to sinners who find themselves, quote, far from home and have no friend in their dying moments to speak a word of comfort. But God is near, Fuller emphasized. And he declared with the example of Jonah, Jonah was encompassed about by the floods, and when the billows and waves passed over him, he prayed to the Lord, the Lord heard him. But at this point, Fuller broke down weeping in the pulpit. He was thinking suddenly now of his son dying far away at sea. Probably, possibly, without Christ. And it was a great difficulty he finished the sermon that day. When John Ryland, after Fuller's death in 1815, published the biography of, of his friend, um, he could only hope that Robert was led to see the error of his way. But the story doesn't end there. Um, we know more than Fuller or Ryland did during their earthly lives. In 1845, 30 years after the death of Andrew Fuller, uh, 36 years after the death of Robert, Andrew Gunton Fuller, Fuller's son by his second marriage to Anne Coles, who would then be the half-brother of uh, Robert Fuller, was uh, preaching in Scotland, a town called Falkirk. And uh, in the congregation was a deacon, a man named Mr. Waldy. And it appears that Waldy had served with Robert uh, Fuller during his voyage. And after Gunton Fuller, Andrew Gunton Fuller had finished his sermon, he came up to him and asked him, uh, was he uh, Andrew Fuller's son? And uh, he said, yes, indeed I was. And he told Andrew Gunton Fuller that um, he had sailed with Robert and he had been with Robert during those last days of his life. He said, Robert opened much his mind to me. He was a pleasing youth, he said. And at the end, he had become a Christian, a true Christian man. And so Andrew Fuller's many prayers for his wayward son were indeed answered. And Psalm 126, verse 5, powerfully answered, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Beads Podcast is in partnership with h and Publishing, of a formed and Canadian publishing house seeking to spread the steadfast love and faithfulness of Christ through the publication of church history, biblical spirituality, Christian living, and theology. Join us next time as we seek to see what God has done in the history of His people.